Welcome to Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class. This is class number 10, where we now move into another subset of topic number three regarding the Book of Mormon in our day. One of the great gifts of the Book of Mormon is to help us understand that the coming of the Savior in the Americas, in the Book of Mormon, in 3rd Nephi, is a pattern of the coming of Christ the second time. How Jesus came to the Americas is how Christ will come to the world when he comes again. Therefore, I would suggest to you that the days before his second coming in America, in other words, the book of Helaman, are a pattern of the days before his second coming. I believe one of the greatest commentaries on what life will be like prior to the second coming is what life was like prior to his first coming in the Americas. A close study of the book of Helaman will reveal the challenges and the blessings that we will face as we get closer and closer to the second coming. So we have been looking at topic number two. We've done two of the three topics we're going to do, I think. We may run out of time. But two of the three topics, the second topic being that the Book of Mormon was written for our day. So what is it that's in the book that helps us in our day? So let me just take you on a little journey to show you the absolute brilliance of the Book of Mormon. When Jesus came to earth, when he was born, he was a little baby who grew up, and then all of a sudden he was the Messiah. And they rejected him because he was just kind of born there. That's not like his coming anywhere. When he came to America, he wasn't born and grew up as a child and then became an adult, and then all of a sudden he was the Messiah, right? How did he come to America? Clouds of glory, great destruction. So all of a sudden, oh my goodness, his coming to America is like what? Do you see it? When Jesus came to America at the first coming, it's like his second coming. The pattern of America. So guess what the value of the Book of Mormon is? The Book of Mormon is going to tell us how things are going to be. One of the great brilliances of the Book of Mormon is that the pattern of his first coming is like the second coming. Let me show you. Turn with me to 3rd Nephi chapter 1. Tell me major event of 3rd Nephi chapter 1. The chapter heading really doesn't help as much. You kind of have to take a look at the chapter. What happens in chapter 1? 3rd Nephi chapter 1 starts with the great sign. Remember the day, the night, and the day with no darkness? The great sign that Jesus was born. So Jesus' birth, major sign in America. Then we go his whole lifetime. There's silence. So this is 3 Nephi 1. Then we go the 30, the 30 years, 33 years he's living over in Jerusalem when he's growing up and he starts his ministry is the silence. And that covers 3 Nephi 2 through 7. And then comes destruction. Right? Massive destruction on earth. Mountains pour down on cities. Other cities sink into the sea. Massive earthquakes. Major destruction. 
That's third Nephi, eight. And then Jesus appears. That's third Nephi, 11. And then we have a period of peace. That's third Nephi and fourth Nephi. And how's it, how does it end? War. Now guess what's gonna happen? Turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants 88. Let me show you what's gonna happen when he comes again. The exact same sequence of events. Turn to section 88. Sorry, let me get there. Doctrine and Covenants 88. All right, jump to 91, 92, 93-ish. All right, 93. How does the second coming begin? What's one of the major events that ushers in the second coming? There's going to be a great sign. There's going to be a great sign in heaven, and we'll all see it. If the Old Testament is any indication, it sure sounds like it'll be a day and night and a day without any darkness. That's an appropriate sign of Jesus coming into the world. What was the sign of his death? Darkness when there should have been light. What was the sign of his birth? Light when there should have been darkness. So when Jesus comes again, there's going to be a great sign not a star in heaven that people will miss, a massive sign that everyone's going to notice. And then what follows the great sign? Look at verse 95. Silence. So there's going to be a great sign, then the period of silence where nothing happens, and then what's going to follow that? Massive destruction, right? We're waiting for the destruction of the second coming. Following the destruction, Jesus appears. And then there's a period of a thousand years of peace. And how does the millennium end? War, the war of Gog and Magog. Satan is unleashed and there's war at the end. Look at that, the exact same pattern. The second coming is going to be exactly like the first coming in America. So guess why we have the Book of Mormon? To prepare for the second coming. The exact same events. So here's what we need to do. If the second coming is going to be like the first coming, then I would suggest the days before his second coming are like the days before his first coming. So what book came before 3rd Nephi chapter 1? The book of Helaman. Now, I have never ever, before this discussion, before we have this discussion, I've never met anyone who says their favorite book in the Book of Mormon is the Book of Helaman. Because why? Helaman is a mess. Helaman is not a fun book to read. It's like, pull your hair out, Helaman. Why is it that Mosiah is so sweet and King Benjamin and King Noah, Abinadi, and then Alma, and then all of a sudden we get this book that just doesn't seem to fit the Book of Mormon. Do you see why now? 
Helaman is telling us what the days before the second coming are going to be like. If you want to know what living before the second coming is going to be like, read Helaman. The same problems they had in Helaman are the problems we're going to have prior to the second coming. Now, the beauty of that is the same solutions. If you want the greatest indicator, the greatest foreshadowing of what life is going to be like prior to the second coming is the book of Helaman. And as soon as you make that connection, you begin to say, oh my goodness, that's happening today. The problems of Helaman are the problems that are going to surface prior to the second coming. And the solutions to those problems that have already been given in Helaman are the solutions for today. The greatest handbook on how to live before the second coming is the book of Helaman. If you see it with that eye and say, what were the challenges and what are the solutions? So what are the problems in Helaman? What are the challenges? Those of you who've read the book of Helaman, what are the challenges of the book of Helaman? If we erase this and say, okay, I get it. I get that the days before the first coming are a pattern of the days before the second coming. Okay, so what do we know about the problems in Helaman? Turn to chapter 1, Helaman chapter 1. Helaman chapter 1. All right, tell me what happens in chapter 1. Let's just start skimming. Let's just start skimming a few chapter headings. So Pehoran II becomes chief judge and is murdered by Kishkumen. So tell me what were the, what's one major problem they faced in Helaman? Secret combinations. In fact, go to the last part of chapter 2. Turn to Helaman chapter 2, the very end. Let's read the last two verses of chapter 2. Thirteen and fourteen. Behold, in the end of this book, you shall see that this Gadianton did prove the overthrow, yea, almost the entire destruction of the people of Nephi. I'm not talking about the end of the book of Helaman, but the end of the book of Nephi, from which I have taken all the account which I have written. Secret combinations destroy the Nephites. So tell me what Heavenly Father is saying. Tell me what the Book of Mormon is prophesying that we are going to deal with secret combinations. And we need to understand how to combat secret combinations. Now, I don't mean to spook you because we'll do this next week. I've got to come back next week. I don't mean to spook you. <clears throat> but in speaking, let me just show you something very fascinating. Turn with me to Ether chapter 8, which is where Moroni talks about secret combinations among the Jaredites. Notice this fascinating little, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. You tell me if you think I'm reading too much into this. Ether chapter 8 is where 
the Jaredites entered. This is where Jared wants to be king and hires the girl to dance and Achish, and they form a secret combination. And as soon as they form a secret combination, Moroni starts commenting. So here it is. Um, There it is. Verse 18. They formed a secret combination. Then he starts commenting. Verse 21. Tell me about secret combinations in the Jaredites. They have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking and also the destruction of the people of Nephi. So what civilizations have been destroyed by secret combinations? Jaredites? Nephites? Who would be next on that list? The United States of America. We're next. And so he says, verse 22, Whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall spread over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. And that's why, verse 23, I'm talking to you, you stupid Gentiles. O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that, you, that these things should be shown unto you, that whereby you may repent of your sins and not suffer that these murderous combinations, that's plural, murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built up to get power and gain. Now notice verse 24, it shifts. The Lord commandeth you when you shall see these things come among you, that you shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of, now what happens? This secret combination And everywhere else, notice what it is. What's the tense here? Not them, but it. What does Moroni seem to suggest? That in our day, notice what I wrote. We don't have to deal with secret combinations. We have to deal with A. Unless I read that wrong. Now, I don't know if I'm, again, making a bad connection here, but how many secret combinations has God called out in our day? So Moroni predicts how many secret combinations? And God has called out how many secret combinations? Hmm. That's not a coincidence to me. So what is the secret combination you are going to deal with in your lifetime and how do you combat it? That's next week, not today. So what are some other problems they have in Helaman? Tell me some other problems. Go back to chapter one. Other than the chief judge being murdered, what else happens in chapter one? Read the chapter heading even though I don't think it says. Anyone know what happens in chapter 1, Helaman chapter 1? Moroniah defeats the Lamanites and retakes Zarahemla. In other words, war. War. Go to chapter 4. Read the chapter heading in Helaman 4. What happens in Helaman 4? Nephite dissenters and the Lamanites join forces and take the land of Zarahemla. 
war. So tell me about our day. We are going to face war, but this is the one we'll do today. We'll do this one today. So let's just pause right there. The the book of Helaman predicts war, but it's a special war. We're going to talk about the war that the book of Helaman predicts and how do we combat it. Let's do one more. After they end the war. Now, this is where they finally end the war against the Nephites and Lamanites. After they end the war, what happens after that? Go to chapter 6. Look at verse 8. There's no longer a war, so what do they do? They go wherever they want. Where can the Nephites go? Anywhere they want, even down to the Lamanites. And so what are they going to do? Tell me what they're going to do. They just opened up all sorts of markets, right? All my life I've sold to the Lamanites. I've I've made jewelry for the the Nephites. I've I've sold Nephite jewelry. Now where am I going to sell my jewelry? Among the Lamanites. And what's going to happen? Cha-ching. If the book of Helaman is any indication... The problem you will face in your lifetime is not lack. It's abundance. It's prosperity. That's the problem. And which is easier? Lack is easier. You will face great prosperity in your life. If Helaman is any indication, it is the prosperity of the people that's the problem. And so we'll talk about how do you deal with prosperity and survive. As I look at the prophecies, I know I was to think that the fact that we needed food storage, that things were going to be so bad, starvation, and we'd we'd run out of food. That was my vision of the latter days, lack. That we wouldn't have enough food for everyone. And there may be those moments, but what, will the, what are the biggest obstacles you will face in as we get closer to the second coming? It's not lack. It's abundance. And that's a harder problem to deal with. Now, you'll find many others, but I think these are the three major ones. And so looking at the book of Helaman as a pattern of our, our day, we need to find solutions for these. So we'll do secret combinations next week. Today, let's do war. Let's do war. Let's go back to chapter one because something happened in that war that never happened in Alma. Now, what's interesting, let me see if I can make a point. Ready? Go back to, go back to Alma chapter 49. Remember when we did the war chapters? I, it's significant when 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 Mormon throws information onto the gold plates. I think it's significant. So notice that Mormon points out. No, wait a minute. It's fifty-two. It's when they start taking cities. Alma chapter fifty-two. When they start taking cities, notice what cities they start taking. Uh, let's go down to. Where does he say it? 
Oh, wait, it's 51, not 52. Why am I looking in 52? I was thinking 51, 52, but it's 50 and 51. Go to 51. Verse 26. What cities did the Lamanites conquer in the great war, in the war chapters? What cities? And notice, why does Mormon point out where they were? I think it has everything to do with Helaman. Verse 26, they went on taking cities. Remember how we talked about Nephiah, Lehi, Morianton, Omer, Gid. Where were all of these cities? Where, though? On the edges. They lost cities on the edges, down by the edge, by the seashore. Now go to Helam in chapter 1 and tell me where they go. This never happened in Halma. This never once happened in Alma. In fact, it's never happened in the whole Book of Mormon. Where do the, Le- the Lamanites get in Alma chapter 1? Verse 17, where do they get? Never happened in Alma. Tell me where the Lamanites end up. Zarahemla. The Lamanites conquer Zarahemla. They get where? Where is Zarahemla? What is Zarahemla? The heart. They get to the heart. In fact, go to chapter 4. Now, here's what happens in chapter 1, just to summarize. So, they get to the heart. So, here's the land of the Nephites, and they get to the heart, but they weren't prepared for an escape plan. So, they got here, and yet they had to face the army all around them, and they just kind of surrounded them, and they conquered them. But in chapter 4, they get back to Zarahemla. And the reason Zarahemla was vacant, the reason Zarahemla was not prepared, notice that it says that they never thought they would get... Uh, Why do I erase my scriptures? I started over reading the Book of Mormon, so I erased all my notes. Okay, let me pull up my others. Why can't I see it? Okay, Book of Mormon, Helaman 4. Um, Maybe it was chapter 1. Why am I drawing a blank? There it is. It's chapter 1. That's why. Chapter 1, verse 18. What did, the, the, what did the, the Nephites never suspect would happen? Helaman chapter 1, verse 18. They never suspected that the Lamanites would get where? What word does it use here? Into the heart of their lands. Now, if you ask me, This is a symbol more than literal. I don't think it's saying that, you know, foreign nations are going to conquer Washington, D.C. I think what it's saying is that war in our day will be fought where? Wars in our day will be fought where? 
Now think about it. As you've studied history, what were the wars of ancient history? They were wars of conquering land, right? Alexander the Great wanted to conquer land. The Romans wanted to conquer land. And there was a time where we fought battles over conquest. But what have we been fighting about for the last several hundred years? Issues of the heart. I think the Book of Mormon is screaming out that in your lifetime, you are going to see wars of the heart. Wars where we're arguing over philosophies and feelings and ideas, not land. Now, turn with me to a prophecy Joseph Smith made on war. See if it matches that. See if this matches that same idea that in our day, the wars are wars of the heart. Go to Doctrine and Covenant section uh, 87. Joseph Smith's prophecy on war, section 87. Now, it starts, obviously, with civil war. That was Joseph Smith's day. That was just 30 years after Joseph Smith was going to be civil war. So notice in verse 1, Verily the Lord saith concerning the wars that shall shortly come to pass, beginning at the rebellion of South Carolina. Now verse 2 and 3, obviously what war is this? The southern states shall be divided against the northern states, and the southern states will call upon other nations, even the nation of Great Britain. Obviously what war? What was the issue of civil war? Were we changing boundaries? What was the whole point of the Civil War? Slavery. That whole war was what kind of war? A war of the heart. Now notice, I think most people think we're still talking about the Civil War. I don't read it that way. It shall come to pass, what does this say? After many days after the Civil War, Slaves shall rise up against their masters. Did that ever happen in the Civil War? Did the slaves ever rise up against their masters? No. Otherwise, the the North would have won the war in a second, right? So this is our day. This is oppressed people rising up against the people who oppressed them. These are the wars of our day. And tell me what we've been fighting about in the last several years. Why is the United States fighting today? Gender? Race? We are fighting wars of the heart. What is dividing America right now? Now, you might sit back and say, well, the United States is not at war. The United States is not at war. And if you're thinking wars of conquest, you're right. But if the Book of Mormon is saying, "Uh uh-uh, they got to Zarahemla, The wars of our day are wars of the heart that are tearing families apart. Why is your neighborhood fighting? Why is this state fighting? Why is this country fighting? What are we fighting about? What's all the fighting been about? Always wars of the heart, right? Now, when Jesus was talking about the latter days, Notice, turn turn to this one, Mark chapter 13, verse 12. In one of his prophecies of the latter days, listen to how Jesus described it. Mark 13, 12. 
Mark 13, 12. This is a fascinating prophecy from the Savior's mouth. Anyone want to read it? Abby? Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. What does that sound like? It's exactly what's going on today, isn't it? How many of you know families that are falling apart over issues of the heart? Neighborhoods that are falling apart over issues of the heart. Helaman got it right on. This is exactly what we're dealing with. Wars that are coming right to our heart. Things that are important to me. I serve on the Board of Education. Parents in Jordan School District are fighting over, guess what? What would you think they're fighting over? Books in the library. They're fighting over books in the library. So we have parents come and say, you got to ban these books. They're horrible. Other people say, don't ban books. And we're fighting over issues where? Of the heart. How many of you know, if don't raise your hands, but how many of you know a family that has fallen apart over issues of the heart? Why are people leaving the church? Issues of the heart. Do you see the problem? Dead on, right? Dead on describing our day. So what's the solution? What, are the, what is the solution to wars of the heart? Turn to Helaman, go back to Helaman chapter four. Let me show you how absolutely profound the Book of Mormon is. The problem, the Book of Mormon nails the problem right on. Well, guess what else it nails? The solution. Let's read Helaman chapter four. I'm gonna read it from this, my gospel library. I can't zoom in, but I've got this, this one. I didn't erase the colors. All right, ready? Verse four, they're preparing for war. They did commence the work of death. They succeeded in obtaining the land of Zarahemla. So once again, they get to the heart. Now, Moraniah is going to take up the sword and try and beat them. Now, how much does he get back? Nine and ten. Moroniah did succeed with his armies. So what's he fighting with? What's he fighting a war of the heart with? The sword. How many people are fighting wars of the heart with the sword? Race, for example. What's happening over race in this country? Does it boil out to the sword? Violence in the streets? Are people getting beat up over race and gender? So Moroni's attack, Moroni's defense is to grab a sword. That's how we're going to fight a war of the heart. Now, how many husbands and wives are fighting with the sword over issues of the heart? Now, what happens if you fight issues of the heart with the sword? Verse 11. No, sorry. Verse 10. What happens if you fight issues of the heart with the sword. Emma, what do you see here? Yep. 
He got, he got back how much of their land? Half. How well are you going to succeed in an issue of the heart with the sword? If you fight a war of the heart with the sword, if my wife and I are fighting over issues of the heart and I use angry words and fists and yelling and screaming, how well are we going to solve the problem? At best, what are we going to do? We'll get half of our land. Moraniah got back half. In fact, not only did he only get back half, look at verse 18. And 19. Tell me what he did. He gave up. He couldn't do it anymore. Okay. Now watch Nephi. What Moraniah couldn't do with the sword. Watch Nephi. Starting in chapter 4, or sorry, sorry, starting in chapter 5, Nephi is going to solve the problem. With what? What's he going to use? Not the sword, what's he going to use? Drop the S. The word. Truth. Gospel. He's going to use the gospel of Jesus Christ to fight a war of the heart. So he starts in Zarahemla. Notice verse 16. He starts in Zarahemla. Now, who's in Zarahemla? Is he teaching the Nephite people? No, who's in Zarahemla? Who conquered Zarahemla? And which Lamanites are in Zarahemla? Families? Lamanite families? No, what's in, who's in Zarahemla? The Lamanite army is in Zarahemla. So Nephi goes in there, and someday I can't wait to read this story. This is one story that Mormon did not include. And there's a lesson there because he didn't see application for us. But what happens when Nephi goes into Zarahemla? Look at verse 19. Doesn't even tell us the story, but what happens in Zarahemla? 8,000 got baptized. 8,000. And we don't even know the story. 8,000 people. So now where does he go? Down south to the heart of the Lamanites. And the first thing they do is they throw him in prison. Now, you know the story, right? You've all seen, I know, where's the picture? I've got a picture of it somewhere. Uh, where is it? Where's my recents? Tell me, where is it? Do I not have it? You've all seen the picture of Nephi in the prison, right? Here's one. This is not the one I want. Okay, this is not a great one. There's a better one. But you know the idea, right? So let's read the story. So they throw Nephi in prison, and then they come in to do him harm. They intend to do him harm. Now, this is so symbolic. I think we could read this little chapter and learn so much about our day. Look at verse 28. I got to draw this. Let me see if I can draw this. Okay, so here's Nephi and Lehi, and they're in the prison. And here come... Here come the bad guys. There's 300 of them. 
300 bad guys coming in to do him harm. And what happens in verse 28? Well, first of all, we've got to get verse 23. What happens to Nephi and Lehi in verse 23? Fire comes down and encircles Nephi and Lehi. And what happens over here? Verse 28. A cloud of darkness. A cloud of darkness. And when you are overshadowed by a cloud of darkness, look at verse 28. Tell me what happens when you have a cloud of darkness overshadow you. Some of you in your personal lives have a cloud of darkness overshadowing you. And what does it cause? Fear. Now, one of the great lessons of the Book of Mormon is what will you always be able to see through the darkness? Look at verse 36. I think this is such a symbolic verse. What will you always be able to see through the darkness? 38. Sorry, 36, 36. The, the faces of the prophets. Now, if you think about it, there are three myths of darkness in the Book of Mormon. Lehi's dream, third Nephi, when it's a real mist of darkness, and here in Helaman 5. What penetrated the darkness in, ne in Lehi's dream? That was the end, but what got through the darkness so I could get to the tree of life? The Word of God, the rod, right? What penetrated the darkness in 3rd Nephi when the, there was nothing but darkness? What could they hear? The voice of God. And now, the servants of God. What will always penetrate any darkness you face? The, the Word of God, the voice of God, and the servants of God. I think verse 36 is so symbolic of the days ahead. No matter what darkness you may face, whose face will always shine through that darkness? The prophet. The prophet's face will always shine through the darkness. Now, what do they say? Verse 40, when they're in this cloud of darkness and Nephi's surrounded by light, what do the people say? What shall we do that this cloud of darkness shall be removed from among, among us? Answer, you must repent and cry unto the voice even until you shall have faith in Christ. So they did begin to cry. And as soon as they cried for repentance, this is a beautiful symbolism. As soon as they cried for repentance, tell me what happened. The fire did what? Encircled them. As soon as they repent, they are encircled. Now what's happening inside that fire? Now you're going to face some challenging things in the latter days. And your lives are going to face some unsettling things. But what happens if you turn to God and repent and invite him into your life. And the circle and fi the fire encircles you. Then what's going on in there? Joy unspeakable. 
Holy Ghost did enter into their hearts. Now, what's going to happen to these 300? What's going to happen here? Remember what Moraniah couldn't do? Guess what's going to happen with these 300? All right, ready? This is beautiful. Verse 49, there were about 300 souls who saw and heard these things. And they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, neither should they doubt. And it came to pass that they did go forth and did minister unto the people, declaring throughout all the region, round about all the things which they had heard and seen, insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war and also their hatred of the traditions of their fathers. And verse 52... What are they going to do? They yield up to the Nephites the lands of their possessions. What's the point here? What Moraniah couldn't do with the sword, Nephi did with the gospel. What is the solution to every issue of the heart? The gospel. How do you solve racism? Not with the sword. With the truths of the gospel. How do you solve gender issues? Not with the sword. As long as we use the sword, how much will we conquer? Maybe half. But what if we use the truth? The problem is the world is not using the gospel to fight issues of the heart. So you need to understand how to succeed in our day. If your family is being torn apart by an issue of the heart, what's the solution? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution. I think that is one of the great lessons I have learned from the Book of Mormon. The only way we're going to succeed in the latter days in winning wars of the heart is if we follow the principles of the gospel. And not many people are doing that. We're using the sword. And we shouldn't be surprised why we're not succeeding. This country's being torn apart by gender issues, race issues, and so many others. Well, what's the solution? Principles of the gospel. Now, the better we get at solving our conflicts with principles of the gospel, the more we will succeed. Of that I testify. What Moraniah couldn't do with the sword, Nephi did with truth, with Jesus. Fight your battles with truth instead of the sword. I think that's a great prophecy of our day. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon, podcast class. This has been class number 10 as we introduced another subset of topic number two, how the Book of Mormon was written for our day. 